I, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, they see what Texas A&M has done. And, you know, this program that the, the word that they love to use is little brother, right? right. S- seeing little brother kind of surpass them in every way by moving to the SEC. I think that that's been real frustrating for them. And listen, I... I don't know whether this could have saved the Big 12 by any means with these two teams in it. But, you know, if Texas and Oklahoma are both nationally competitive like they were in the 2000s, I, I don't know if this is as much of a conversation, right? Yes, you know, the, the money stuff matters for sure, but they are raking it in as is, right? The, the difference between the SEC and the Big 12 in terms of year-to-year revenue, it, it's going to be more. No question it's going to be more. I, I don't know if it's program-changing more. The real thing that's program-changing, I think, for them is the opportunity to go and compete and have some of those advantages that SEC teams have. Welcome to episode 54 of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps, and I am joined by my friend Shahan Jayaraja. He is a college football insider for Dave Campbell, Texas football. Shahan, how are you doing, man? It's been a crazy few days. <laughs> it's been it's been quite a time, man. I, I haven't slept a whole lot in the past like a couple of days, <laughs> which I mean, it lets me know, first of all, that the season's coming around. But listen, right. I thought I'd be I thought I'd be more breaking down, you know, some UTSA <laughs> film. I thought that I'd right. more be a uh, talking of Sam Houston. But no, <laughs> we're back in realignment zone. Back back in realignment, man. But before before we get to that, because I, I have so many things to ask because I've I'm confused and like I know a lot of my listeners are confused as well. So I, I brought you on to kind of help break down some of the things and some of the things you've been hearing and stuff like that. But before we get into that, man, kind of tell the people your journey and how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, well, listen, uh, I, I think that this guy over here knows pretty well, uh, you know, <laughs> where he worked down in Waco down when I was down there at Baylor. Yes, and, uh, you know, so for people who don't know me, so I went to Baylor, I joined the school newspaper back in 2013. At this point, I guess it's been eight years. That's a little weird. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, joined as a sports writer, never thought I was going to do it for real. Right. You know, I thought it was just going to be something that I did for fun. And one opportunity led to another. And it was the school newspaper. It was the Dallas Morning News. It was SI. It was uh, eventually I got a full time job covering the SEC and Big 12 out in Atlanta for Cox Media Group. And uh, somehow I, I went, moved all the way out to Atlanta. My next job took me literally like. 0.3 miles from my high school, which is where our Dave Campbell's Texas football offices wow. are. So uh, it's all come full circle. But listen, man, it's better than having a real job, right? Right, right. Hey, you went to Capella. Is that how I'm pronouncing yep, it right? Yep, yep. Okay. That's right. That's what I remember. Yeah. Um, man, so I appreciate you, man. Obviously, I've admired you from afar, your journey so far, man. Definitely proud of you. And I'm excited to have you on to kind of talk about some college football realignment stuff, man. So obviously, if you have been paying attention in the world of college sports, uh, Texas and OU, man, they're they're dominating the headlines. They, uh, according to reports uh, from a report from the Houston Chronicle, they have reached out to the SEC about joining their conference, leaving the Big 12. So how, how do we get to this point? Like, what's what's the motivation for for the Sooners and Longhorns to make this move? 
Well, I think the first part of it is, is listen, there's going to be a lot of talk about money and the money stuff is real, right? I mean, if you can make a lot more money, even if you are the richest program in college athletics, most people are going to do it, right? Uh, but the other part about it, too, is that I think that over the last decade, since Texas A&M and, uh, you know, all those other schools left for other conferences, I think that they're really not happy with kind of their perception, their competitiveness, their success, you know, on the Oklahoma side, because I do think that the sides are a little different. Um, you know, for Oklahoma, I, I think that they go into this and they see, man, we're losing battles to SEC recruiting teams, right? We are we are hearing over and over again, listen, you're a great program, you're a legit top four program, you're a team that's going to be in the playoff, but y'all don't have a chance to win, right? And, and they feel like they have a perceived disadvantage playing in the Big 12 versus if they played in the SEC and and you can sell people, right? Like you've seen with Texas A&M already, just even though they haven't been a program that's been highly competitive for a long time, the opportunity to stay near the state and play in the SEC has been a huge draw. And so I think that Oklahoma <clears throat> certainly feels that they can be a part of that. And for Texas, I, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, they see what Texas A&M has done. And, you know, this program, that's the, the word that they love to use is little brother, right? right. Se- seeing little brother kind of surpass them in every way by moving to the SEC. I think that that's been real frustrating for them. And listen, I I don't know whether this could have saved the Big 12 by any means with these two teams in it. But, you know, if Texas and Oklahoma are both nationally competitive like they were in the 2000s, I, I don't know if this is as much of a conversation, right? Yes, you know, the, the money stuff matters for sure, but they are raking it in as is, right? The, the difference between the SEC and the Big 12 in terms of year-to-year revenue, it, it's going to be more. No question it's going to be more. I, I don't know if it's program-changing more. The real thing that's program-changing, I think, for them is the opportunity to go and compete and have some of those advantages that SEC teams have. Right. And, you know, the fans of the teams that – could get left behind the Baylor's uh, the fans on the other side, like the Texas A&M, there's always finger pointing, like who's to blame for this? Why is this going on? Who who's at fault? And I've seen a lot of people say, you know, it's Texas's fault. They, you know, they hold all the power. They control what's going on. Who in your opinion would say is to kind of blame if these two teams will head to the SEC and we could potentially see, you know, some crazy stuff going on with the big 12. Well, I think, it, it, it's hard to put blame on any one stakeholder, but certainly, I mean, just Texas and Oklahoma, right? Like, I, I mean, they are the teams that kind of decided that uh, that this is going to happen. And so the big thing that I'll say too, right, is back in 2012, when it looked like the conference was collapsing the first time, or I guess 2010, 2011, 2012, that whole period, um, right. you know, when it looked like the conference was going to collapse the first time, what kind of ended up happening was the teams that were sort of left over, like the, you know, the eight teams that are remaining now, they kind of didn't have anywhere to go. And so Texas and Oklahoma kind of set the rules in a lot of ways. They said, if you're going to be a part of this conference, like we're going to have huge advantages over you. You're going to kind of live under our thumb. We're going to be able to, to throw around our weight whenever we walk into a room. Right. Right. And, and so I think that in a lot of ways, right. Um, you know, they always held all the cards. They were always the team that I think the other eight were kind of dependent on uh, just to, to be seen as a power program in a lot of ways. And so, you know, <clears throat> I, I understand why Oklahoma is doing it. I understand why Texas is doing it. I understand why it makes sense for the both of them. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like blame is a, a strong word, certainly. But listen, man, like this doesn't happen if those two teams don't kind of look elsewhere. Right. And you were at Big 12 Media Days last week in Dallas and... 
from the sense of it, it's kind of like one of those media days where, you know, everything is kind of like the calm, like everything's peachy cream. And then this bombshell drops today. And apparently it's been in the work for months now. But how how did they keep it so quiet? <laughs> well, I don't think anybody, including the people in the rooms that Texas and Oklahoma planned on this getting out at this point. Right. So for people who don't know, Texas and Oklahoma have a grant of rights with the Big 12 through the 2025 calendar year. So what that means is that Texas and Oklahoma have sold their television rights to the Big 12 through that time period in exchange for a payout. So there are ways to get out of it, but it would be tens and tens of millions of dollars of fines, right? So like, it's right. not really feasible, even for a program as big as Texas or Oklahoma. They're going to have to reach some sort of solution if they're going to do this. And so what, you know, I, I think that what ended up happening was Brent Zorneman, who broke this story over at the Houston Chronicle, somebody wanted this out, likely to cause chaos, right? I mean, just kind of going behind, you know, all that, right? Getting a little inside baseball, right? You, if somebody wants it out, you kind of start thinking, okay, who might have wanted it out? And and certainly with Zorneman being a Texas A&M beat writer, you think maybe Texas A&M wanted it out to try to build some opposition to this happening because Texas A&M is poised. You know, I, I certainly that the eight other Big 12 schools are going to be huge losers of this. But in the SEC, Texas A&M, I think, is going to be by far the biggest loser of this because. Right. The main reason they wanted to get away from Texas. Right. and Now they're joining them over there. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, the big thing is that when they've gone into recruiting, they've been able to sell. You can play in the SEC and stay in the state of Texas. And it's led them to have consistent top 10 recruiting classes over the past 10 years. That was not something that happened when they were in the Big 12. Right. So all of a sudden, Texas and Oklahoma start coming in here and you can't sell that as Texas A&M as an advantage over playing at Texas or Oklahoma. Right. That That's a big knock. And so, you know, it, I will say, right, it would have been real nice if uh, if Brent's source had had mentioned that a week earlier, like right. he said, you know, so that we could have maybe gotten a little bit more people on the record. You know, you have some athletic directors at Big 12 Media Days. You have Bob Bowlesby over at Big 12 Media Days. But the other thing, too, that I'll mention is that certainly Oklahoma and Texas have had this working, especially I think Oklahoma has been very aggressive about trying to just see their options, right? Um, but... I think that these other eight programs and even the Big 12 office has largely been left in the dark about this. I think this was as much of a surprise to them as it was to anybody else. You kind of mentioned Texas A&M and late last night there were reports that they have scheduled a meeting with the regents for Monday uh, for discussion and possible action on contractual and govern governance issues relating to Texas A&M University and the Southeastern Conference. What What does that mean? Like, there's no way they decide they want to leave SEC, right? Listen, so when this story came out, Texas A&M's athletic director, Ross Bjork, came out and said, we want to be the only SEC team in Texas. Now, he didn't say it, but it's because that's our competitive advantage. If if all of a sudden that goes away, we don't have as big of a competitive advantage. We don't have an obvious path. Now, Jimbo Fisher is still really good. They still got a really good team. I mean, they still have... A lot to sell. Like, I'm not saying right. that all of a sudden they're going to be. Right, become, they're in the cover of y'all's magazine. Right, right, right. <laughs> they're not going to become Kansas if, if Texas joins the, the SEC, right? But, like, again, that's their advantage. That's what separated them as a program. And so I think on the Texas A&M side, they know that this is going to happen. They, they know that there's nothing they can do. There's nothing anybody can do. If there was anybody that anyone other than the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma could do about it, Everybody would want to stop this, right? Even other conferences, they don't want all this to happen because then the SEC is just going to be functioning on a different level than everybody else. And so 
but what Texas A&M I think feels like they have to do is they have to be like, well, their administration is kind of just like, we have, we have to at least try, we have to at least make a show about it. We at least have to say we're really disappointed. And, and I think the other thing too, right, is that a lot of this, uh, you know, the funny thing about college sports is that we say it, but, but there's a reality to it. A lot of it is about ego, right? And so like, with Texas, a big part of this move is, man, we're going to go to the SEC and we're going to dominate it. Will they? I, I don't know. I mean, I, a, a lot of programs think that <laughs> yeah. they're going to gonna make some moves and, and do some things, right? And it doesn't always happen. Um, but, you know, for Texas A&M, I think that they need to feel like we have options. We, we can tell y'all, hey, man, we could, we could go somewhere else and we'll be fine, right? Is that true? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I think it's important for them to feel like it, right? I mean, that's the thing that's funny, too, about college sports. I mean, you and I being Baylor people, right? Like, nobody ever wants the school that we went to to feel like a backup, right? Everybody wants Correct. everybody wants your school to feel like the most, you know, the biggest and most important thing in the world. And so, you know, with Texas A&M, I, I think that that's a big part of it is just we're going to have our meetings and people are going to have to pay attention and, and we're going to say we have options. Right. We don't. But I think it's important for them to feel like they do. That image, right. Right, right. right. We kind of talked about the reasons why UTOU might want to make this jump. Um, One of the things that I've kind of heard about and kind of thought about myself is with the new NIL rule. And in your opinion, is there like a sense that the NIL rule is – a part of this process as far as being in the SEC, the best conference in football. Could that can you see that necessarily translating to the brand of the school and then the brand of the player in in, in our in our thing now with the NIO? Yeah, I mean I think it's a little more secondary, but I certainly think that is a part of it, right? Like I think that's in recruiting just regular recruiting, right? I mean players want to play in the conference that they feel like is going to develop them to the NFL, right? Because we talk about all this money, like, yeah, listen, when when a kid goes to South Carolina and they have great facilities, that's certainly a draw for them, right? But it's more the perception. The perception is a very important part of this. If if the SEC won football and sent players to the NFL and had a perception of, of being the best league and they made a third of as much money as they did, that, that wouldn't really matter, right? It's more about who's going to get me to the NFL, who's going to get me developed, right? And so, um, but with that, like you mentioned, I, I mean, the brand visibility of these programs is about to explode, right? With Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. I mean, these are programs that already existed. And actually, one thing that I'd point to is probably, like you mentioned, I, I mean, for these other programs too, for the other, you know, 14 programs in the SEC, uh, especially the ones that aren't at the top, but like I mentioned, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, you know, whatever right yeah all those types of programs right the mississippi schools for example right (laughs) like like yeah i I think that you are able to sell hey you know we are in the college football super league basically right like this is the place to be like we're gonna have eyes on us in a way that nobody else is and and when you go to the negotiating table with the spn or whoever else right like you're saying man cool there's ohio state over there cool there's you know clemson over there but like People aren't tuning into their league. People are tuning into our league, right? And I think that from a school perspective, that ends up being a huge deal. But like, you know, from a branding perspective, you can sell that, right? That you are going to be in a premium game every single week. Yeah, there, there's a question that I kind of had. And Nicole Arbach with her article, I think she had tweeted it as well, kind of answered it for me. But I'm going to ask you too. With Oklahoma and Texas potentially leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, that leaves the Big 12 at a weird spot without their their top two founders, the premier schools in the, in the league. Um, 
But according to her article in the tweet, the Big 12 is still a power five conference without Oklahoma and Texas. What what is the criteria of a power five? What makes a power five conference a power five? Sure. So, I mean, the biggest thing is there's a group of conferences that refer to themselves as the autonomy five. They kind of play by a different set of rules. And so the big 12, even without those schools is still a part of that almost more legally than anything else. The other thing too, though, is that the power five has separated itself with the television contracts that they have signed. Right. So the American athletic conference, tremendous, tremendous league, like Truly, like they have multiple top 25 teams every year. They send a team to a New Year's Six Bowl almost every year. Like they are, they are right close, right? But the difference between the Big 12 and the American Athletic Conference is back in 2019, the Big 12 distributed $37.5 million per school. The AAC distributed seven. That's the Mm -hmm. difference. That's, that's fundamentally the difference. And so at least through 2025, the Big 12 still has these t- television contracts. And so I, I made the point in an article, right? It, certainly every school needs to check out their options. If every school can find their way to one of the other four conferences, then, you know, do it, right? Like, then whatever. Then then break it up, all that sort of stuff, right? right? But uh, in the world that they can't. And I, I am worried, I'd say, that, uh, you know, about a number of these schools not being able to, to find destination. I think that there's this assumption that the Pac-12 has a lot of interest, a lot of money to be able to to go expand. I don't know if they do, right? I don't even know if they're interested in it or if they have the ability to do it. And so, um, you know, they've got a, an athletic dir- or a, a commissioner who doesn't even come from the college ranks. I, I don't know what his vision for the Pac-12 is, right? So that's right. certainly going to be an interesting part of it. But, you know, I, I made the pitch on, on TexFootball.com. You know, one thing that they could do, even if it's just in the short term, is you go and you go and, and you get four of the top group of five programs from the uh, from the AC, AAC, excuse me, especially, you know, you go get Houston, you go get Memphis, you go get Cincinnati, you go whoever else, right? It, it doesn't really matter the programs. And you say, listen, we are probably, we are obviously not the SEC. We're never going to be the SEC, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of prestige, because they, they just added Texas and Oklahoma, right? right. And they already had an advantage. Uh, you know, the Big Ten, they're in a good spot. They have a lot of big blue blood brands. Uh, you know, ACC has one and sometimes two, you know, and, and the Pac-12 only really has one sometimes in USC, right? So the thing is, though, you cement yourself. You are clearly one of the top five conferences every year, like clearly head and shoulders above what the AAC would be without those teams. And so maybe you still are able to pitch, you know, you know you're not going to rake in probably the same amount of television dollars as you would have gotten with Texas and Oklahoma, but you still say, we're clearly a top five conference. We're getting a team into the playoff every single year in this expanded system. Like we are head and shoulders above the group of five. Right. And so I think that's certainly something that all these schools are going to need to consider that the commissioner, Bob Bowlesby is going to need to consider. One thing that he said uh, in the big 12 said in their statement is at this point, we have interest in going forward together, the eight of us. Right. And Again, the eight the eight of those schools, like they are schools that have invested at a power five level for ever, basically, basically forever, right? right. And so, you know, they, they still have some level of credibility. Now, again, they are behind the eight ball when it comes to all of this, not having a school. And you know, one thing that I talk about with the SEC, the reason that the SEC is the SEC is because there are so many programs with implicit brand credibility. If you beat Alabama, then you are a top five team, right? Like 
you you get that that credibility. Oklahoma has that in the Big 12. Texas has had it in the past. They're one of those teams that can have it. Nobody else in the Big 12 has that, right? And and that's something that you've run into with the Pac-12 is that there isn't a, a premier team that you kind of can beat and, and really boost yourself up, right? So that would right. be the one thing that I think the Big 12 would always be at a disadvantage. But listen, if you add four really good group of five teams, I mean, you can compete with the Pac-12 every couple of years. You can compete with the ACC if Dabo leaves Clemson, right? Like, it's not impossible. But certainly, I mean, that's going to be, I think, a big part of the calculus going forward. So in your scenario, if they grab a couple of group of fives, Houston or SMU, and does that power five status depend on if they're able to get another television contract, that criteria of what they can secure? Yeah, that would be a huge part of it. And and that's why I feel like they need to be decisive about what they're going to do is because, yeah, like 2025 is when these TV contracts come up. Some other leagues come up before that. Right. So mm-hmm. you are going to have to figure out pretty quick what the future of this is, what your plan is for this. And and listen, I mean, the Big 12, it's partially because they have 10 teams, but also because the teams that they have are really good. They have consistently been third in payout every single year ahead of the ACC and ahead of the Pac-12. This isn't a financial thing. This is more of a stability thing because you're so dependent on Texas and Oklahoma to do it, right? And so I, I think that that has to be part of your your calculus, again, is that you need to look at, okay, what would interest be? What could we drive? And I mean, one thing that I'll point to, right, is like with the University of Houston, like, you know, they don't get humongous ratings, they don't fill up their state, but like, they're functioning as a group of five team right now, right? Like, I mean, you and I know, and and we actually have seen at TCU, right? TCU, once they became a power five team, it's, oh, we're competing on the biggest stage, we have to pay attention, right? Like we have to show up for this mm-hmm. and, and it just changes everything for a program. So, um, so certainly, I mean, I, I, again, I think that's something that they need to explore. Now, if, if the PAC 12 says, you know, listen, we want to take like a group of y'all, we want to take the three Texas schools in Oklahoma state and kind of have a Texas wing basically. Right. Okay. Then maybe you start having that conversation because, you know, maybe this is the start of the super conference four leagues with 16 teams type thing. Maybe, maybe that's how it happens, but, uh, Right now on July 24th, 2021, I don't think we're at that point as yet. Kind of mentioned it with the Big 12 statement, preaching, kind of sticking together and going through it. How with with all the reports that's going around, some true, obviously, some definitely not true. uh, The rumors swirling. How how feasible? How, How how do you see a situation where they definitely hold it together or do you kind of see where, you know, some of us? Some of the schools start looking like, okay, this we're going to do what's best for us and we're going to make this jump. I think that very much every school can and should and will try to figure out what's best for it. Right. I mean, listen, if Iowa State can get Big Ten money, then what are you doing here? Right. right? Like that, that's a, that's a real question. Same with Kansas, same with whoever else. If, if, you know, you can get a stable situation in the ACC, if you're West Virginia, like you have to consider it. Right. But here's the one thing that I'll say is that. We went through this back again in 2011 and 2012. These were the teams that were left, right? Like, especially you look at those Midwestern teams and you look at West Virginia. West Virginia tried to get into the ACC last time and the ACC didn't want them. You know, Iowa State, the the reason that they're not in the Big Ten isn't because they would say no to the Big Ten, right? Like there's a lot more money and stability in the Big Ten. It's because the Big Ten didn't want them. So I, I do think that we are going to have to see, you know, what 
the offers are per se for all of these schools. I mean, I think that there could be some value with the Pac-12 again with those Texas teams, but but at the same time, like there certainly is a scenario where we go to the end of this and the Pac-12 is like, this isn't bring a whole lot of added value for us. The Big Ten's like those schools, you know, Kansas and, and Iowa State potentially, those aren't bringing a whole lot of added value for us. And and the teams kind of are left over all over again, which again, is kind of how this all came about in the first place. Right, right. We've had Jay Billis on our podcast a few times and um, he's talked about the NCAA lack of institutional control with NIL, among other things. Um, with, with, we're, we're, we're in a weird spot. We're in a, def, a big spot in college sports right now. If we move towards the path of mega conferences for 16 teams, however they do it, can you see a situation where these big schools, big conferences decide, hey, we, we don't need you anymore, NCAA. We, we can go and do our own thing. Can you see that separation from these conferences from the NCAA? Yeah, especially from a football perspective. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about that. Actually, there was a, a commission report. I believe it was the Knight Commission that, that came out a couple months ago. And that was a big part of it was, hey, listen, like there there's no value for these conferences at the football level to be affiliated with the NCAA. And now, I mean, even the NCAA now is in a position where they're almost arguing against their own existence, right? Where they're saying, hey, maybe it's time to have more local control with this, which... Yeah, they've been so hands-off. <laughs> right, right. Which which at the same time, it's like, all right, and then Mark Emmert, I, I'd love to get paid millions of dollars to say <laughs> it's somebody else's problem, right? But like, <laughs> respect. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, Hustler of the Year Award, man, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, right, like I, I do think that we are potentially heading in that direction. And I think that's why there's going to be this real mad rush to try to figure out what the stability is long term, whether it's 16 by four, whether it's having five conferences and, and kind of a new look Big 12 being in the middle of that. And and I will say, right, the thing that's sort of tough about all this is that, like I mentioned, you know, me and you being Baylor guys, right, like Baylor has been a top. 15 top 20 athletic department, right? It's not, the question isn't about them being a top 64 program. It's about everything lining up, right? Mm -hmm. So that's going to be the interesting thing is going to be whether they can figure out what the future is. I mean, again, for me, like, like just to take a step back, right? Like the thing that sucks about this for me is I love the geography of the sport. I love Texas right. teams playing each other. You know, I, I was too young for the Southwest Conference, but man, what I wouldn't have given to have been at school during the Southwest Conference, right? And so, you know, that's the part that sucks about this is that you see this sort of push where, you know, the Atlantic Coast is an area, the Southeast is an area, the Midwest an area, the West Coast an area, and this, you know, sort of the Southwestern area is kind of in no man's land, right? And so I, I think that that's going to be interesting how they figure it out. So, so, I mean, I do think, though, that we are going to probably reach a point where there's just this top group of teams and they kind of finally make it official. Now, I mean, they've mm -hmm. almost done that in some ways with the, uh, BCS at the time, now the playoff committee. I mean, this functions outside of the NCAA, right? Like mm -hmm. when, when the college football champion wins a national championship at the FBS level, they don't hold up an NCAA plaque, right? It's completely separate. So yeah. I think that we've already done some things ahead in that direction, but I, I think that certainly the coalescing of these major conferences is going to play an even bigger part of that. Yeah, to go back to your point about the Southwest Conference, I literally just read the article. It was the ESPN article from the end of December. Yeah. It was talking about like the breakup of the Southwest Conference and it had, you know, little excerpts from different people around that time. And what you preached on, like the regional aspect, it seems like that what's definitely with the rivalries and the regional aspect and the people that are part of these areas, like we're, it seems like this is like 
the steps going away from that. So it'll be interesting to see that going forward. But um, man, what 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 is next? Uh, we have the timeline. We have you know Texas ending with their meeting. We have Texas and OU possibly sending a letter to the Big Twelve, according to sources, next week. What what's the timeline looking like for maybe a OU or Texas to actually make that jump official and whatever happens next with the Big Twelve? Sure. So the big thing, right, is that uh, I heard somebody describe it this way as an order of operations, right? And and it's very important. So Texas and Oklahoma are going to, in the next couple of days, reportedly, uh, going to notify the Big 12 that they will not renew. That's not saying that they're withdrawing from the Big 12. That's not going to happen for a while. What that means, though, is that they're going to say, okay, it is our intent when our contract is up in 2025, we're going to leave, right? And so... At that point, once they've officially stated their intent, then the SEC can sort of officially start to ask, okay, let's do a vote. Let's have these conversations. Let's potentially offer Texas and Oklahoma as member institutions. Now, at the same time, again, that's something that's going to be down the pipe, right? Like that's not going to be something that happens right away. Like uh, I think it was, you know, Nebraska said in 2010, we're leaving for the Big Ten. And it was like a whole year that they played with the conference before you know, they, they actually left. Right. And so with the way that the big 12 contract is set up again, right, right now, it would be four years potentially, right? 21 through 2025 that they'd have to play. I, it's a good question. I need to look up what exactly what date in 2025 it might be before mm-hmm. football season. A lot of the time, these, this stuff sort of goes into like that life. summer before. Yeah. It probably yeah. that summer before. So that would probably mean that the, uh, that Texas and Oklahoma, if, if it works out like this, would only become member institutions on whatever July 1st, 2025, right? So a couple of years down the road, um, which again goes back to, they did not intend for this to all become public right now. This was maybe more right. of a next summer conversation, right? But I, I think that, uh, I think that if you are uh, Texan Oklahoma, right, you're trying to figure out a way, how can we come to an amicable solution where maybe we give up some money, but like we're not locked in until this point. Now there's been reporting that said they're comfortable waiting, that was that's been their plan behind the scenes for a long time is to wait to announce this stuff until it's more of a real timeline and then be able to kind of just sit and wait through the contract. Right. Like that's always been their plan. Does this speed things up? I, I think it's a question that you have to ask, you know, but the the Big 12, you know, financially is obviously very dependent on Texas and Oklahoma. And so, you know, for these schools, right, if they if they were to let them out of their contract, if, if Texan and Oklahoma were going to take a buyout, it would be, again, it would be potentially up to $76 million that we'd be talking yeah. to get out of that contract, which even, again, for Texas and Oklahoma, they're the richest athletic departments in the world. Right. Uh, that's still a lot of money, right? And so I think that they're going to have to have that conversation. Um, but Certainly, I, th- I think that we could see the SEC officially say that they're going to offer them sometime this week or next week. Like, I think I could move that quickly. But even when that happens, Texas and Oklahoma are still going to be Big 12 members for at least a couple more years. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that potential buyout of $75 million or whatever. Can you see a situation where OU and Texas are kind of announce make this announcement like, hey, we, we want to flirt over here with the SEC and then sit back and wait for the Big 12 schools to kind of try to dissolve and where they're out of not having to pay that. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be the main way that we see. It. I mean, again, we could see Texas and Oklahoma, and, and this is speculation on some part, but but we could see Texas and Oklahoma officially accept big uh, SEC membership sometime this week. And like you said, just sit back and and wait. And if something happens and they are, like you said, able to get out of it, and enough schools vote to dissolve everything, then you know, like you said, they can move quicker. But they, there's been reporting that said they are comfortable waiting until 2025 if they have to. They're, they're fine with saying, listen, maybe you vote us into the SEC. We accept a, an offer this week and we're just going to sit and wait for four years. They're, they're fine with that. I mean, they don't, they don't have to wait for anybody. The SEC will wait for them, right? They're, they're comfortable with that. It doesn't really affect them too bad. Uh, so. We'll have to see how that all kind of works out. I think that nobody knows, including Texas and Oklahoma, how exactly it's going to work mm-hmm. out. Uh, but I think it's a conversation that's going to be ongoing. Man, what a crazy 72 hours, man. I appreciate you so much for taking the time out to hop on real quick, man. Every time we have a guest on the show, we like to give them the chance to talk about anything, give them some advice or a word they want to give to our listeners. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, for people who don't know, again, I work for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I, you know, we are known as the Bible of Texas football. That's not my words. I, I would never, Preach. I would never <laughs> blaspheme. But uh, you know, if other people are going to say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to let people know. <laughs> and uh, so we put out our big summer magazine every single year, where we preview not just the big schools, not just the small schools. We preview every team at every level that plays That's high school, true. college, pro football ball in the state so we got cowboys stuff all the way down to two way right like down to six man and i I'm, i take the lead on the college stuff for them so we again every single college that plays all 47 of them and so uh you know we have a lot of fun doing it it's it, i mean listen again it, it's better than having a real job so make sure and pick up our <laughs> magazine you if you're in the state of texas you can go to I think it's Kroger or Walmart. A lot of different places yeah. have it. But the best always there. Always there. But the best way to get it is TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, it co- gets mailed directly to your house. You get access to all our premium content as well. You actually get access to our archive at TexasFootball.com slash archive. So you can actually go back and look at the magazines all the way back to 1960 on PDF. So which is I did not know that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you got to check it out, man. You got to check it out. And the other thing that I'll mention too is that uh Listen, we get a lot of crap for being a uh, for being, you know, oh, we're a horn rag or we're an Aggie, whatever, <laughs> you know, people people love to yell at us. Uh, low key. Again, I mean, this is just between friends, obviously. Uh, our founder was a Baylor guy, uh, Dave Campbell. We're owned yep. by the McLeans sort of way up. So another Baylor people and their college guys, a, a Baylor guy. So I'm not I'm by no means saying we're a Baylor rag. <laughs> but I'm just saying if you're a Baylor guy. Yeah. You know, we're here. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you so much for hopping on, Shahan J. Raja, man. My guy, appreciate you. Episode 54 of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. Remember to give us five stars and a great rating. Also, you can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, all those other DSPs, whichever one you prefer. Episode 54, we are out. <laughs>